0: This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. 7 is where I'm going to be reading from here this morning. I thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Welcome to Greater Life. Welcome all of our guests here this morning. Thank you so much for joining us and being with us here today. Amen. Amen. God is good and he set you here on purpose. You're not here by accident or coincidence. You have to believe that. He's in control You're not here by accident You're not here by coincidence You're here by design So It's time to step into The design that God has It's time to let the past go Somebody I'm not not even getting there just yet But it's time to let the past go It is It has held you back For so long Don't you just want to let it go because there's a bright, bold, powerful, dynamic future not down the road somewhere, right in front of you. Let the past go. In Jesus' name. First Samuel chapter 7, beginning in verse number 1. So the men of Kiriath-Jerim Came to get the ark of the Lord, and they took it to the hillside home of Abinadab, and ordained, ordained Eliezer his son to be in charge of it. The ark remained in kiriath Jerem for a long time, twenty years in all. During all during that time all Israel mourned, because it seemed the Lord had abandoned them. Verse number five, skipping down, verse number five. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel. To Mizpah. Everyone say that word Mizpah. Ready? We're gonna say it together. Ready? Hold on. You maybe you got a little practicing. That's okay. Ready? And Samuel gathered all Israel to Mizpah. Okay, great. That was great. You get, gather them all there to that place, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah. Oh, see, great. Some of you got it, we will catch up. Okay. They gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted. Oh, it's fasting. Okay. They fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children, or became the judge over Israel at Mizpah. Verse number seven. Now, when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, this is getting a lot of press. The lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease, Don't stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. That's a big deal. I don't have, we don't have time to get into that today, but that's a really big deal. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now, as Samuel Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below Beth-car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. Okay. For a little while here today, with the help of the Lord, and I need the help of the Lord. You need the Lord to help me. <laughs> I want to preach on this, this subject, this notion, how far God can help. How far God can help. Amen. Because we need the help of the Lord. How far can your God help? Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated here this morning in the presence of the Lord. We gave a lot of attention here today and this passage gives a lot of attention and so we should as well to this place called Mizpah. Samuel, as he is kind of inaugurally coming in as judge in a sense over Israel, finds himself in a place where the people of God are in need of deliverance and they're in need of help. And so over and over and over again, this passage just in these short 12 verses that we went over here today, over and over and over again, it mentions and highlights this one place, Mizpah. When the Bible does this, when there are significant events that take place or when when the people of God launch out from a certain point, there's a, there's a significance to the Scripture mentioning that and why that is taking place. And then in the redundancy, the intentional redundancy within Scripture that we find here today, we, we see it comes up over and over and over again, this place called Mizpah. So what is so important and what is so great about this place called Mizpah? Why would the Bible give so much attention to it in this passage of Scripture? There's, we're going to go into the events of this passage because what's happening here is really, really powerful. But, but before we go there, we have to understand where they're launching from. Before we talk about the fact that the the Lord came in and and discomfited or confused the enemy so much so that Israel could pursue after them and have a victory. And there was a stone that was set as far as they went in their victory. And and that almost preaches by itself, if you understand where we might be going here today. But before we can get to any of that, there's a starting point that we launch from. And it's this place called Mizpah. We find that this... Mizpah begins in the book of Genesis in chapter 31. Now if you don't know the story, that's fine. I would encourage you to go back and read it because it's really actually a kind of a really fun read and a, an exciting story and really interesting and also there's a lot of intrigue and there's deception and, and, and some depth and relationships that are taking place there. So without getting into all of that, what we find here is in Exodus chapter 31 Jacob is fleeing his father-in-law Laban and as he's fleeing his father-in-law Laban who was deceptive and who was who who had who was kind of a trickster and and a deceiver and in a, a controller as he's fleeing his father-in-law Laban they have a final confrontation and in that final confrontation they stand one to another and they agree that they're going to part ways and leave one another and in their parting they both take stones, and there are groups of men, and people take stones, and they heap it up as a memorial, as oftentimes we find in the Old Testament, and they build a memorial to commemorate something. And In their commemoration, what's so interesting in this passage, and it's almost, I think, unique to this passage, what we find in Genesis 31 is that that Jacob calls it one thing, and Laban, Laban calls it another thing. They both say, this is what it means to me. Yeah, okay. Then, unless you're one, it doesn't matter what memorial you try to build. It doesn't matter how many stones you stack up or what you think that you're doing, unless there's unity. It doesn't matter. But what happens... At the end of their parting of ways, and this is in Genesis 31, in verse number 49, it's upon leaving, Laban also calls this place. They've both named it something, and if you want to go read what they've named it, they're these really, you know, these names that when you're preaching or teaching, you don't like to try to pronounce them because they're, it just doesn't work for us. <laughs> but upon leaving, Laban calls it a third name, and he calls it Mizpah. And he says this, he says, because... He said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent from another. I think that's a really potent statement that they're saying we're making an agreement, but it's not just between the two of us. We're making an agreement and asking God to be a witness between the two of us. That when we're absent from one another... That we stick to this commitment. Here today, and I'm talking to us here today about how far God will take us. But here today, can I tell you, we can make a lot of commitments to the Lord. We make a lot of commitments to God, and we make a lot of commitments one to another, and we say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this in the kingdom. I'm going to change my life and turn my life around and point it in the right direction, and hopefully, and we, we want to agree with that. In the moment we agree with that, and the moment we say, well, that's really great, but there's something that has to enter in to this agreement between people, and it's where God says, yeah, but when we leave this place, God is going to be a witness to this agreement that when we leave this place and we go separate ways that I'm going to remain true to what I have proclaimed that's why I just as a pastor here today that's why we're, we're not always um, we don't always rush and jump to the gun when, we, when somebody says I want to be baptized now Christian I'm, I'm going to point you out because you're okay with that so I'm not, I'll ask forgiveness later now, this man asked me, and he asked maybe some of you all as well. Maybe talked to some of you. Asked if you want if he could be baptized, because we baptize a little bit differently than most maybe most of the Christian world might. We because we do it according to the Bible. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, the right way. I don't know. Go figure. When we when you if you look throughout all of Scripture. The only way that anybody was ever baptized is in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. It's taking his name and putting his name on your life. Christian, it has to be baptized. And so, and I'm not, I'm not doing this to embarrass you. I'm doing this to come alongside of you here today and to support that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he demanded. He, he didn't ask. He said, baptize me. I was like, oh, okay, "Well, okay, let's <laughs> let's just talk a little bit here. Because it's a commitment that's being made. It's not just ceremony. It's far from just tradition. You're taking his name, putting it on your life. So that when you leave, because get, we'll get baptized and we'll kind of high-five and shake hands and, and hug and, and cry. Oh, this is great. You know, but when you leave here, that there's a commitment that's made between you and God and God's witness to what's going on. And he's saying that I, I want to make sure that when we leave here. God is still witness, and he's still a part of this commitment that's being made. It's a commitment. It's a commitment. We we come to the altar, and we make commitments. We come to one another. We talk to one another. We make commitments all the time, and and that's fine. Commitments are fine. They're more like resolutions, but we make make all, that's fine. That's good to do. It's good to do relationally, but can I maybe just share with us here today that that God needs to be in the middle of it. He's got to sanction it. He's got to be a part of it. If you're here today and you've not been baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, can I just tell you that you can be today, today, this day, but it's a commitment we want to take it seriously. Not only that, but the Lord, the scripture guides us and tells us that not only does he is it incumbent upon us and important for us to make that decision to be baptized in His name but also to be filled with His Spirit? To be filled with the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. Can I tell somebody here today that if you have not yet received the Holy Ghost, if you have not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God wants to take you farther in your relationship with God. He wants to take you deeper than you've ever been before. But there's something that we have to do. An agreement where we say amen, but God, I want you to be in the middle of this. So when we part ways, God is a witness to what's going on. Mizpah. how far God can help. The world today, on this February 27th, 2022, is not as it seemed like it was just a week ago. There is war in our world. In the Ukraine Right now, it's several hours later, but in the Ukraine, there's, there's war raging. Fires burning. Families torn apart. Citizens armed. Average, everyday citizens armed for battle. People fleeing, millions of people fleeing into surrounding countries. In just one week's time, evil has manifested itself in our world. Not just bad people. Not just bad policies. Evil. The attacks on that country and its people happened for us at nighttime. It was it was our evening when those attacks were coming and it was evening, but those attacks didn't happen And I tell someone, they didn't happen overnight. This is something that's been building for decades. And as an enemy grew closer to their borders, there were voices of concern that began to issue caution and warning. Watch out, because they're coming. Watch out, they're getting closer. Watch out, the enemy is building at the door. Watch out, the enemy is building up his forces. And he's standing at the border waiting to infiltrate and to come in and to cause and wreak havoc and destruction. We see this, how this is manifest in the physical world. But can I tell you that there is a manifestation of this happening in everyday life in the spiritual world, where the enemy is coming at your borders and he's coming along your weak spots? And there are voices that are trying to cry out to you today that are saying, watch out. There's a voices that are trying to cry out to say, be careful, because the enemy is coming to your borders. There are voices that are trying to watchmen on the wall that are trying to say, hey, young person. Hey, peer. Hey, every, every saint of God, be careful, because Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. There are voices that are crying that the enemy is at the door. Even as God spoke to Cain and said that the enemy is sin is waiting at the door to devour you. And it happens just like that in one day we're at war. But it didn't happen in just one day. I know this is probably a little bit heavy on this Sunday morning here today. But as a pastor and as a church and as a people, I don't want us to be tone deaf to what's going on in the world around us. And if I can be maybe a little straightforward, you see the imagery on the screens here, and and maybe this is imagery that you've noticed in the news cycles or whatever you're consuming. Can I just be a little frank here today and say this, that this doesn't look altogether different. Than some of the streets of Minneapolis a couple of years ago. Different contexts, I understand. Same root, sin, evil. Now, don't get me. Don't start painting me into a corner and saying that I'm trying to call somebody or anything. Look, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not getting into the political conversation. We got we to, church, we got to start seeing past that. You know why? Because this is what the enemy wants you to focus on. And hes it's a bait and switch. Focus on this while I destroy you over here. So I don't want us to be ignorant to what's going on in our world. I will not stand here and claim to be prophetic and understanding and seeing the layers, I I don't need to do that because God's on the throne. He's still sovereign God. He still sees it all and knows it all. He controls it all. If He made it, He can save it. Okay. What happened, however, in the Ukraine... What's been happening in our world is voices of people that have been saying, watch out, the enemy's building, he's at the door. But in the Ukraine especially, our world leaders, including this nation's leader, did not stand up to the evil that was mounting. Well, we want to be careful. Well, relations are tense. Well, we we don't want to cause cause any problems. We don't want to stir things up. There's a saying, and I don't know who it's attributed to, but there's, I would looked it up and tried to research it, and it's been misattributed to many people. But regardless of that, there's a saying that says, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Maybe I could just insert something, not as a biblical truth, but maybe as just a principle for us to observe, is that the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for the church to do nothing because that evil hasn't landed on our shores I feel a little pain at the gas pump I see inflation and we see a recession pop probably coming but that evil hasn't landed here so you know what we can do is we can just complain and complaining is about the same as doing nothing it won't get, go ahead complain Get on your little Twitter feed and complain. Get in your little text circles and complain. Get in your little conversation corners and complain. And you know what it's going to do for you? Nothing. The best case scenario is it's going to do nothing. Worst case scenario is it's going to drive you down deeper and farther away from what God actually wants to do. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil in this world is for the church to do nothing. So what can the church do? What can the church do? In, in, in seasons like this. What can the church do when evil is coming at your shores and, and, and impacting lives and, and people are hurting and people are dying and, and there's, there's evil spreading around? Can I tell you that where evil, evil is in our world and it's, it's spreading like a cancerous disease but where sin does abound, grace much more abounds. What can the church do? The church can give grace and go beyond that and say, yeah, there's an evil, but there's also souls that are in the balance. Yeah. And there are people that need to be reached. Yeah. What can the church do? Can I tell you, one of the greatest things that you can do and the first thing that the church needs to do before we do anything else is the church needs to pray. We're Right now, we're researching, I'm doing some research on, on fundraising that is that for Ukraine and for, for our missionaries and, and families that are over there uh, that we want to be able to bless and we want to make sure that it's going to the right places, right? We want to make sure it's not just being wasted somewhere along the way and co-opted by other entities. So I'm doing some research on that and trying to find the right one and opening this up for us. And we can give, so we can give and and, and we can... And, and, and donate and, and, we, and we can maybe even want to go and we can, and we can put on our, our colors of blue and yellow to support the Ukraine and, and that's fine, do all of those things that's, I don't have anything against that but it doesn't really amount to much of anything if the people of God won't start with prayer prayer Church, somebody hear this preacher today. If you don't hear anything else in the entirety of this message, just hear me, hear my heart today on this, is that if you want your situation to change or the world's situation to change, I don't know what we're going to do to change it. I don't know how to fix it, but I know this. If a people will pray, Second Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and pray, And pray and will turn from their wicked ways and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sin. Then I will heal their lands. Pray. What can we do for the Ukraine? I don't know. But I know we can pray. I know we can pray. We say, oftentimes, we say this, but I wonder, do we believe it? Prayer changes things. Brother McGowan, prayer changes things. Oh, I wish I had a church up in here today. Prayer changes things. If you don't pray, it's not going to change nothing. But prayer, prayer by itself won't do it. I understand that. Some, we need we need more than just prayer, and that's fine. We can have more than prayer, but without prayer, you can't do it. Right. Go ahead, Peter, get locked up in prison. Go ahead and be scheduled for execution. But what did the church begin to do? They didn't put out protests. They didn't picket. They didn't have a GoFundMe. They didn't have a, a line that started to... Cause havoc in the streets. What did the church do? They got inside their homes. They got together with one mind, and the church began to pray. I don't know what they were, they were praying for specifically. I don't know if somebody said, Lord, send an angel to Peter and wake him up again. Don't, I don't know if anybody said that. We're not told that. You don't need to know. Oh, Lord, fix it the way I think it should be fixed. No. I mentioned this last week um, in the afternoon. I, I'm way off this here today, but that's fine with me. <laughs> um, they were told, that, we're told um, that when we pray, sometimes sometimes we, we miss it. We're told that in James, when we pray, he says we have not, because you ask not. And you might ask, but you missed the mark on what you asked for. So what are we supposed to do with that? Romans tells us that sometimes we, we don't know what to pray. Anybody ever been there before? Bunch of liars. Come on, someone. Anybody ever been there before you don't know what to pray? You got all these problems you don't know what to pray? But the Spirit makes intercession for you. With groanings that can't be uttered. So if you don't know what to pray, pray in the spirit. Because you'll hit it right every time. Every time. Okay. But this goes to our message here this morning. I don't want to get too far off track. This goes to our message here today, how far God can help. Because if I'm being honest with us here today, if we're being honest with ourselves, praying in the spirit takes a little energy and a little effort. It's not easy. It's a challenge. Doing the work of the kingdom and the work in the spirit is something that draws from our strength. But what it what it requires mostly before even above and beyond our physical strength is it requires a death to our human will. how far can God help today? As far as your will will let Him. It's not a matter of God only helping those who help themselves. It's not it. Because quite frankly, you can't help yourself to any place of merit with God anyway. It's a matter of believing in God and trusting in Him and God believing in you. You can do that. How, how far is God going to help? That Ebenezer stone that was moved as far as the people had gone, that's how far God will help you. No, I, I don't want to see issues. I don't want to see war rising. I don't want to see issues happening in our world. But And I don't know what the future is going to hold, church. I, I, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. There, there are those that are in our world that are, uh, that are talking about um, World War III and how it's, it's being set up and it's on its way. Right now on Sunday mornings all across the world, I'm sure people are reading from Matthew chapter 24 and the book of Revelation. It's about to become really popular. Okay? That's fine. If you want to go read those and study those and have an enjoyment and fulfill your time with all of that, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. But can I tell you, God, he is the author. He's in control. And so much of what this book tells us, we're not going to know until after the fact. So maybe our time is better spent saying, God, when, when, you're, when I'm waiting for you to return, I'm just going to keep marching this stone forward. I'm going to keep moving this stone forward so that I can keep progressing forward. And you're going to do whatever you're going to do. He sets kings up. He takes them down. He sets nations up. He takes them down. What the church can do is let him do what he's going to do and say, God, I'm just going to keep advancing this stone and moving it forward. Yeah. How far can God help? He'll help as far as you'll allow him. He'll help as far as you let him in. Okay. This is how this is how. Saints, I, I just want to say this and then and then I'm gonna move on. But Regarding the evil in our world today, you cannot ignore evil, because evil will not go away. You cannot ignore evil when it's at your door, and when it's in your life. And this is how the enemy does it. He does it little by little. He intrudes into your life, until he's come so far in that one single, simple operation can bring you down. It's not our weaknesses that destroy us. It's our weak moments. And he does it little by little. Where he pushes you, and you know people like this. I'm not calling those people evil, but you know people like this. Where they'll push you about as far as, as you can go. And then they'll stop. And then, and then they'll just kind of encroach a little, right to that point again. And they'll push you a little bit farther right where you're about to slug them and then they'll stop <laughs> your kids the kids downstairs okay just everyone this is that's that's had and that's not <laughs> I'm not saying he's wrong I'm just saying <laughs> and then they'll push you a little bit farther and farther and farther until finally all they have to do is just with one finger, push the button, and it's war. That's how the enemy does it. We cannot be ignorant. Scripture tells us of the of Satan's devices. In the Greek for that is his methods. His methods. His methods. So the enemy is pushing, 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 pushing. Can you feel evil pushing, pushing, pushing? So, what do we do when the enemy pushes, pushes, pushes? I'm not real smart, so I just go to scripture because that's my friend and that does the thinking for me. But as far as I can discern, is that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. As far as I can discern, resist the devil. But it doesn't start with resist the devil. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Simple as that. Devil, you don't have any room in my house. You don't have any room in my life. You don't have any room in my mind. You don't have any room in my my family. You don't have room in this church. Resist the devil and submit yourself to God and resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Do you know why he'll flee? Is because when you're submitted to God, you are realizing that you're not fighting that battle. Because that's a battle that you can't fight and engage in and try to win with your own intellect. You're not smart enough. You're not clever enough. You're certainly not spiritual enough. But what happens is that when we submit. To God, we find God's ways of winning those battles, not our own ways. And God's ways win every time. But the question is, how far do you want God to help you in your battles? Do you want to just win the same battles you've been winning for 30 years? Are you ready to finally slay some giants and to kick them out of the land and have them stop occupying the territory that doesn't belong to them anymore? Because what we find here in 1 Samuel chapter 7 is that after this battle is done and after the Ebenezer stone is set, that's as far as the victory was won. And you turn the pages just a few pages over and you know who shows their ugly face again? The Philistines once again. Sometimes we get this idea that that because I've set a stone, that that's as far as I can get. And that if I go this distance, and if I attain what I had when I once had it, then that's as good as I need to be. That's as far as I need to go. But do you know where this Ebenezer stone was set in the promised land? well within the boundaries, well into the mainland, and well outside of the most fruitful land that there was in the promised land. That's as far as they got. They they missed the best things that God had for them because they settled with, they settled for victory to a certain point. And God was, I don't, I don't know, but as far as I can read Scripture, his plan from the very beginning was to take that land and cleanse it out, clean it out, and for God's people to occupy and to live in the promise that he had for them. But you know what kept Israel stumbling time and time and time again? It was that they only went so far they stop short. You look at even, I mean, well, I don't want to get into all the stories. Just, it's it's the constant repeating theme, stopping short. My question for us here today is: Are you satisfied with where you've come in the Lord, or do you want to go further? Because there are some giants in the land that still need to be conquered. There's some territory, oh come on somebody, I wish I had a church here this morning. There's some promises, hear me today, there's some promises that God has given to you that haven't come to pass yet. And God wants to give you and give you those promises and for you to see them fulfilled and come to pass. And I, I just believe here today what he's waiting on is he's waiting on you to say, Okay, Lord, I'm not going to stop at where I've been before. I'm going to take a blind step and trusting you that when I step out into what I cannot see, your promise is what's guiding me to that place. And I'm going to keep going and going and going until I see your promises fulfilled. How many have, it's it's nothing to be ashamed of, because I'm already raising my hand, so I'm with you already. But how many have promises that God has given you and promised you that you've not yet seen fulfilled in your life? Yes. Okay, keep your hands up, please, if you would, please. And and, and we don't do this a lot, but go ahead and look around. Look around. You think you're alone in this? It's almost, It's you can put your hands up. It's almost... 100%. And if you didn't raise your hand, that's fine. You, you're, you're fine. Like, thank you for being with us and putting up with us here today. We'll try and catch up. <laughs> no, no, and I don't mean to cause any division or anything like that, but it's almost 100% people saying, there's some promises that God has given me that I haven't seen them fulfilled yet. Okay. So number one, you're not alone. Guess what? We think like, oh, there must be something wrong with me. It's not about having anything wrong with you. There was a whole nation of people that had a promised land. And The beautiful thing is they were all in that together. And so they said, come on, let's do this thing together. You realize that when your promise is fulfilled, when your mountain is claimed, when your land is, is, is conquered, that that's a win for the rest of us? Come on, someone, that God has, some of you have been giving promises of healing, and you haven't seen it yet. Come on, someone. I'm just trying to help our faith here today, that you're not alone in this, that God's going to bring you through this. I don't know how, and I don't know what it's going to look like, but God's going to bring you through this that he's he's not the author of confusion, that he's going to bring you through this. He doesn't want to just stop partway. He wants to bring you through to get the healing that he has promised you and designed for you. Some of you have lost loved ones. Some of you, your your brothers or your sisters, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your kids or your grandkids who have walked away from God, who don't live for Him, and are lost in this world, and are living in a a devil's world that's not meant for them, that they're being tormented in, that you've got them, and God has given you a word that says, train them up in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. You're holding on to a promise that they're going to one day like the prodigal, make their way back. Maybe you haven't seen it yet but come on how far can god help in this situation as far as i'm willing to go god is gonna come with me as far as you're willing to go god will go with you
1: as far as you're willing to walk as as long as you're willing to
0: fight As long as you're willing to stay on your knees in prayer and to be faithful and consistent to Him and to keep advancing His kingdom forward, that's how far God will be with you to help you. How far can we go? How far? I'm going to begin to close here this morning. Because there are promises all around us. Of the, there's testimonies too, though. There's testimonies of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Come on, someone. If you've got a testimony, raise your hand. Come on, if you're not raising your hand, you are a liar. You, you are a walking testimony. What has God done for me? He, he, he gave you another chance. He didn't quit on you. Even when we quit on him, he didn't stop loving you. His goodness and mercy followed
1: you. If you
0: look all around here, there's testimonies of healing. Can I get a witness? Come on, someone. Come on, someone. Testimonies of healing. All across. Come on, someone. Just. I wish you'd just raise your hand and just wave it. Just wave. Come on, there's testimonies of healing. If you've seen, if you've seen the healing of God in your life, you know, God, look at us. We're just so, we're just so professional and polished and Pentecostal and apostolic that we don't got a wave offering in us anymore to give God a little bit of praise for what He's done. Well, I'll just wave my hand quietly, but I'm not gonna give God praise. Come on, somebody. There's testimonies of healing all throughout this place where God has shown up and He's healed bodies and He's healed minds and He's restored people's lives back to health it's all over this place so if he's done it before he can do it again but I can promise you this he's not going to do it the same way so you've got to go farther than where you were before because he doesn't want you to just stay where you're at. He wants you to keep going and conquering more and receiving more of the promise that God has for you. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you are talking about the promises that God has giving you about lost uh, loved ones coming in and, and prodigals coming home. I wonder if there's a hand or two that will go up and will say, I got a testimony about that, too. Come on, someone. Come on, there's only been been like two or three people that's got a hand that's got a testimony about prodigals coming home. Come on, somebody. Some of you don't even know what you're talking about right now. Are you serious? How many of you know a prodigal that's come home? Thank you. Thank you. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. At the end of the the parable of the prodigal only one of the sons was in the feast and it wasn't the one that stayed faithful the whole time. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Because when you come back to the father he gives you his ring which signifies his authority he gives you his robe which gives you identity he gives you new sandals on your feet that gives you proximity, and he says, "Come on in to the feast, and feast with me." There's nothing wrong. Oh, come on, somebody, Powell, come on! I wish I had a church for Powell. There's nothing wrong with being a prodigal. There's nothing wrong with being a prodigal. It's not some scarlet letter that you that you wear. Your testimony is that the devil should have killed you when he had the chance, but he didn't finish the job. Lee, and so you came back and you said, "Sorry, devil, you missed your opportunity." And so now, now I'm going to tell everybody everywhere that I go who Jesus is. Come on. There's no shame. There's no shame. He took the shame of the cross so that you can walk without shame and without guilt. There's some prodigals that need to come home. Not so we can stand here and say, I told you so, but so we can say, welcome home. Come on in. Welcome back. I loved you. I missed you. I'm so glad that you're here. And some of us could probably learn a couple things from some prodigals. Like what this thing really means. Oh, hallelujah. I'm sorry. I'm not even. If you saw what was on these pages, it doesn't even match anything that I'm saying, but that's fine. I think the Holy Ghost is talking to us here today. Some of us, we've lost the value of what this thing means. We've lost the value of what it means to be saved. What it means to not be confused or lost in this dying world. Sometimes we lose the value of what it's like to wake up in your right mind. And to not be afraid and overwhelmed by anxiety and fear and the oppression of this world. We lose the value in that. I wonder if maybe we could revive the value of what it is to be a child, a son, and a daughter of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that I woke up this morning in my right mind. Thank you, God, that I have peace—the peace of God that passes all understanding. Thank you, God, that I've got a name—a new name written down in glory. Thank you, God, that I got Your name on my life. That I got Your Spirit inside of me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because when you realize just how valuable this, this Jesus is, when you realize just how valuable your salvation is, that little carrot that the devil's trying to hang over you to try and get you to get a little closer to him and go his way isn't going to hold any value any longer. Devil, you thought you could trick us with something so meaningless as that? When I live under the umbrella of the mercies of the king, of kings, do you think that that matters to the people of God? Huh. One thing, if I desire, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life that I may acquire in his temple. That's one thing that I desire, and that's what I'm going to seek for. Not the things of the world, the world that's falling apart all around you. Go ahead and be seated here this morning. I'm a. I need. I. I. I, feel, I know what I'm feeling. I know what you're feeling. So we're gonna get some. I just get. I gotta bring this out to a close here today. Saints. How far does God want to take you? Is how far you're willing to go. Because when Israel had. Here's the progression here today. And musicians, you can you can get ready because it's, I, I do feel like it's time. But here's the progression of what, Israel, of what Israel had to go through. You see, they were oppressed. They were oppressed. That's a word we hear in our world a lot today, oppression. Let me tell you, oppression is real. It's not a joke. It's not something to kid around about. Even if it's just perceived oppression. Did you know that a study was done among, among um, army vet, uh, armed service veterans in Afghanistan. And what they found was that the amount of it was done on PTSD and what they found that the prevalence of PTSD and the severity of PTSD was almost just as strong for non-combat veterans as it was for combat veterans because of the perception of an intimate, imminent attack. So we think we think, oh, you just perceive oppression. The perception is just as potent as the oppression itself. Because it takes it a whole other layer. It's just as real whether it's whether, whether we see and here's the other thing we don't even know what we don't even understand many of us we don't understand what oppression is until we've walked a mile in someone else's shoes okay We don't even understand what that even looks like until' we've, until we've walked a mile in someone else's shoes and lived, their, lived a day in their life and so be fair here today and be honest. Oppression's no joke. We live in a world that that's where it's going to. Oppression. You don't think that that's the case. I, mean, I think it's everywhere. Look around you as, as uh, I don't want to get in trouble, but I'm just going to be honest here today. Look to our neighbors to the north. And to think that it can't happen here. And we've been saying this for a while, so this is nothing new to us, but what the world is doing is the world and the evil in this world is narrowing down the scapegoat to the church. One of the reasons why you see so many denominal churches now embracing sinful culture, is this okay this morning? I hope there's a Bible church. Anyway. And the, one of the reasons why is because they want to be included in the conversation. They want to be brought to the table of compromise. And so they're whittling away, whittling away, whittling away and getting it narrowed down to people of the name of Jesus Christ. And that stand for the truth of what the word says. oppression Oppression. so what do we do in the face of oppression we follow in line with this word you can do anything that you want to do but can I tell you a lot of what you want to do in this world today isn't going to make a difference oh boy sorry don't mean to step on somebody's toes you can get on social media after the fast. You can get on social media, and you can go ahead and blast out all you want against anti-this and anti-that. That's fine. You can do all you want. But what's that going to do for you? What's that going to do for the cause? Especially because who controls the media anyway? Anyway, I am I'm getting in so much trouble today. Hope this is all right. Just, just trying to give you some truth here today. What I feel is truth anyway. Hope you receive this. So we can do all of these things in, in all of these contexts, and that's fine if we want to do that, but really, where is your help? We we follow, we follow what the word of the Lord tells us. And what we find in 1 Samuel chapter 7 is that what the people of God did when they found that they were oppressed, they didn't stand and and, and shout and yell and go on their tablets and write all these things against their their oppressive uh, adversaries, what they did and what the man of God told them to do is he said, first and foremost, get your life right. Get your life right. I want God to help me. And I think everybody here would say, yep, I want God to help me. And first and foremost, I can't sugarcoat it. I mean, I could sugarcoat it, but, sis, you won't let me sugarcoat it. So, <laughs> If I do, she'll 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 help me. No. So I'm gonna come back here and stand with you. First and foremost. No, I'm not hitting you, I'm not after you. I'm not after you today. We're on the same team. No, first and foremost, no, you're good. You're good. But first and foremost, if I want God to help me, I need to get my life right. I need to get my I need to get my life right. You know, we have, no, 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 not going to say it. We have, and this isn't me talking down on us. This is me trying to help us. We need our lives to be right. God, I want your help. I want your help. I want your help. I want you to deliver me from this oppression. I want you to get me out of this anxiety. I want you to get me out of this depression. I need your help in my life. We start where we need to start. Not fixing the issues on the surface, but getting this heart right. And Samuel said to the people of God, he said, "You you want to start somewhere? Fine, we're going to start somewhere. But where we're going to start is we're going to start by getting your life right with God. And I can't help anybody here today and tell us what we should or shouldn't do before we do anything else than say, God, make my heart right. Make my life right. I'm And, and listen, he's not going to come in and zap you and all of a sudden everything's going to be great. He's given you the choice to turn from wickedness, to turn from sin, to turn from the evils of this world and dedicate yourself wholly and completely to him. And he knows our hearts. So that's where it begins. It begins in that time of gathering our hearts together but then after this where he went from there oh I this, this doesn't, I have one point that I need to make actually this doesn't really fall in alignment but I need to make this is this alright if I insert something here alright, all of you that are upset at this next point, blame all them because they said I could do it <laughs> um, here's, here's the thing saints of God Children of the Most High, <laughs> are we doing okay? Here's the thing: if all of these sources in this world disgust you, stop feeding them. Is that okay? If you don't like them, and if if, if they if they're corrupting, stop feeding them cut it off be done with it we've been on this media fast for a month and for some of us maybe it feels like a year maybe it feels like a decade I don't really know but you don't have to pick everything back up when it's over you can let it go and be done with it Brother Langer, that's a bit excited, isn't it? Yeah, okay. If you're set free from something that you, I don't, and I don't know, I'm not trying to speak this into his life, but if you're set free from something, or you, you real, you had this epiphany, you're like, I don't need this anymore. Then maybe you could act the same way. Okay, all right. So if we don't like it, and it's terrible, and it's the worst thing in the world, and it's toxic, and it's awful, and it's killing us, and it's a disease in our lives, then why are we feeding it? Why are we bringing it into our lives? It's this this cyclical relationship where we consume it, and we give it power. And we consume it, and we give it power. And we consume it more, and we give it power. All the while, we go, I don't really know why things are going on in my life, because we're consuming it and giving it power. But if you just stop. You don't have to destroy it. Because guess what? It's going to destroy itself. It's, it's self-destructive because it's got humanity written into it and evil as well. So it's going to take care of itself. Just just be done with it. And be free. Okay. Musicians, you better come because I need, if you would, I'm sorry, if you would, Please. So where do we start? We start, we start, we start with making sure that our hearts are right. Can we stand here together this morning? How far, how far can God help you? How far in your situation? I'm not trying to trick anybody not trying to manipulate any kind of situation But how far in our situations in your life and whatever you have going on how far can God help you how much faith do you have come on somebody how much faith do you have always have the best discernment but I got a lot of faith so I need people to help me with discernment sometimes and that's fine I don't mind the help when I ask for it but I got a lot of faith I, be- I just I'm just I believe I believe I believe I believe how much faith do you have how much faith do we have? And sometimes it's it's not about necessarily our belief but as the man that cried out to Jesus that says, "Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief." But do you know why God was able to help his unbelief? Because that's how far the man was willing to go. I believe to this point. But beyond that, I don't really, I have unbelief. I don't know. So, Lord, I want you to help, not what I already believe, help my unbelief. Help me further. Help me further. God, I believe that you can... uh, I believe that you can help my health situation. I wonder if he can help you further than just helping you get through treatment. But he can help you to healing and recovery. God, I believe that you can help me with my addictions. Yeah, maybe we can believe him for helping us with our addictions. But what if he wants to help you beyond your addictions and into complete restoration and reformation and recovery? What if he wants to help you way out there? God, I believe that you can bring, uh, you know, certain people that are lost, I believe that you can bring them back to you, Lord. But what what if he doesn't just want to bring them back to sit in a chair somewhere? What if he wants to restore them into the kingdom and fulfill the ministry that he's placed in the calling of their lives? What do you have What if, what if? God, how far can you help us? As far as you're willing to go. I'll go with you. As far as you're willing to go. So I think it's time here today we're about to engage and take some steps forward. Huh. Huh. I think it's time to take some steps forward. There was last thing here today. David Dunnigan, can I borrow your, your cane? Can you fold it up for me? I'm not going to have anything to do. You don't have to do anything else. Can you fold it up for me? You can't fold it? It's not folding right now? Oh, it's it's, it's a solid piece? Okay, got it. No problem. But in the book, 2 Kings, there was a, a king in Israel. His name was Joash. And he went to Elisha. Because Elisha was dying. And he went to Elisha the prophet. And, and the people were oppressed. And so he said, take an arrow and shoot it out the window. So he takes an arrow and shoots it out the window. And the significance is given to that. It's a beautiful story. Then he, he says, take some arrows. Smite, it, smite them. Hit them on the ground. So you can see Joash, a king. What? alright so he takes some arrows and he hits it one two three times he's done he's done he's checked out so I guess that's I mean the arrow thing was pretty cool but the on the ground I, I, don't, I don't get it God doesn't need you to get it He's not asking you to get it. He's just asking you to do it. And the prophet gets angry at him. He says, you should have hit it six or seven. You should have hit it way more than that. And you should have, if, if he would have known what it meant, he would have just kept going and going and going until there was nothing left of those arrows. How far can God help you? As far as you're willing to. As, far as you're willing to stay, as open as you're willing to be, that's how far your God can help you. And open up the altar at this time if you want to come up and pray. I want to invite you, I don't know what your need is, I don't know if it's a family member or a friend, I don't know if it's a sickness or a disease, I don't know if it's finances or your job, I don't know if it's, if it's oppression or depression or anxiety. I don't know if there's some unanswered promises yet that you have not yet seen them come to pass. We're not putting God on a timeline, but it's just stepping out there and saying, God, I still believe, and I don't want to just go up to the stone of the promise. I want to go beyond that, Lord. I don't just want to stay at the place where you originally gave me this promise. I want to go beyond that stone, Lord God. Go beyond that place of promise and to walk in trust and in confidence with you that you are going to see this through. You want to know how far God can help you? Why don't we just find out here together this morning? In Jesus' name, let's call out to him right now. Jesus, come on. I want more of you. I want to go farther with you. I want to go farther with you. If you need something and you need, if you need a healing in your body or if you need restoration in your mind, Jesus, I want to go farther with you. If you need some things put back in order and place in your life, if some things have gotten out of order. And God, fix my heart first. Let my heart be, Lord, in alignment with you. But Jesus, I don't just want to get back to where I came from. I got to go deeper with you than I've ever been before. God, help us beyond. Jesus.
1: of Abraham, the God, God of covenant, covenant and faithful promises, time and time, time again you have proven if you do just what, what you said, though oh, there's so-